You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 109, The 1541 Ultimate. Hello and welcome back to You Don't Know Flat. This is episode 109 of You Don't Know Flat. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the 1541 Ultimate, which is a storage device for the Commodore 64, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about that device and some other similar devices uh, that have led to the 1541 Ultimate. But before I get started today, uh, I have a few announcements to make. The first one, and the most important one for listeners to the podcast, is that the podcast is moving uh, I've set up a new website, which you can reach at podcast.robohara.com. And uh, if you go there, that will be the new home of You Don't Know Flack. At the top of that page is a link that says About You Don't Know Flack. And if you click on that link, you can find the new RSS feed and the new iTunes link for You Don't Know Flack. And both of those links, unlike the old links, are now working. So that's pretty cool. And I've also set up a forum, which is... A first for me. I've been uh, participated in in many forums over the years, and I still do participate in several forums today. But uh, I kind of wanted to set up my own little forum. Mainly, well, originally, I guess I wanted to set one up for the podcast. But uh, you know, I, I I added some other forums and and added some sub forums for my books and other things I'm working on. And and so the name of the forum is the Gas Chamber, which is the name of my old BBS from the 1990s. And uh, the link to the gas chamber is www.robohara.com forward slash TGC for the gas chamber. And you can find that link also on uh, podcast.robohara.com or at just robohara.com, either one of those. So, you know, it all it all comes back together. It's full circle. Everything links to everything. That's my goal. So what else has been going on? Oh, I went to OEGE, the Oklahoma Electronic Game Expo, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, my friend Icebreaker, who runs Particles.org, and Uba Goober Alice from Albuquerque, New Mexico, both came into town. We all went to the show. I'll probably be talking more about uh, doing, maybe doing a show review in one of the upcoming episodes, but I think the highlight of the show for me was they had a Skype link uh, where they were talking to Ralph Bear, who, as um, most of you probably know, is considered to be the father of video games. Ralph Bear was responsible for creating games such as Pong and the old school uh, Simon, you know, the big round Simon thing that had the four lights. Um, So Ralph Bear has done a lot of cool stuff, and it was uh, neat to hear him talk uh, live, even though it was was via Skype, but that was pretty cool. So, yeah, OEGE was fun, and um, I also just got back from a trip. I drove cross... I drove way too far. I drove from Oklahoma City to Durham, North Carolina, earlier this week, which is a fairly brutal 20-hour drive. But during that trip, I got the chance to stop at Game Galaxy, which is an arcade uh, run by 
a fellow that goes by Dream TR on Digital Press. Game Galaxy is pretty awesome. They really cater to two different groups, retro uh, arcade games and fighting games. So if you like either of those two things, you definitely need to stop by Game Galaxy. It's in a uh, a mall in Nashville, Tennessee. The URL is um, GameGalaxyArcade.com, and I'll, I'll add that to the, the links on the post. But um, Game Galaxy, definitely two thumbs up. That place is awesome. And, um, you know, during my trip also, kind of to get me back in the mood of, of recording, I copied oh, dozens of podcasts over to my iPod, which I listened to uh, on the road. And I listened to a lot of episodes of Matt Wilson's podcast, which is BoringBeigeBox.com, which is a really great podcast about the 80s and 90s era of computers. I also listened to The Retroist. Uh, you can find him at Retroist.com. The Retroist is not really computer or technology-based as much as it is the 80s, so there are a few episodes about specific video games like Pitfall or... Uh, companies like in television, but there are also episodes dedicated to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the Gummy Bears, ALF. I'm trying to think of other, uh, you know, lots of 70s and 80s uh, retro topics. So that that was a really good podcast. And then, of course, I listened to multiple episodes of the Retro Bits podcast, which is uh, just one of the best retro computer related podcasts out there. Run. Uh, you can find RetroBits at retrobits.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And again, I'll put all these links uh, when I post the podcast. But, you know, so I listened to all these podcasts, and it really got me back in the mood to... It kind of inspires you to want to, you know, when you listen to people talking about things that they're excited about, and then you want to talk about things that you're excited about. So I'm glad I listened to all that. And uh, with all that news out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with episode 109 of You Don't Know Flack. Before we start talking about the 1541 Ultimate, I'm going to give you a little background about the uh, Commodore 64 and the original Commodore disk drive, which was the model number was a 1541. The 1541 was a single-sided floppy drive, which meant it only read one side of a floppy disk at a time, and each side of a floppy disk held 664 blocks, which is about 180K of information per side. The 1541 had an internal power supply, and then there was a later revision called the 1541-2, which had an external power supply. So um, that was actually a better design as anybody who was an old Commodore. You know, you could tell old Commodore uh, enthusiasts because they always had fans stacked on top of the computer power supply and on top of the disk drive because things just got so hot, you know, from running them all the time. So Okay, now, jumping forward to talk about emulators for a moment. One of the problems with emulators, uh, and as they run on a, a personal computer like a PC or Mac or whatever uh, that you're running emulators on, they kind of exist in their own little sandbox. Um, you can run disk images. Now, a lot of people will refer to these as ROMs uh, because they're more used to emulation in the console uh, or cartridge world. So if you're, you know, a cartridge is made of a ROM, uh, because ROM meaning read-only memory. So when you dump that, those are called ROMs. Um, now, if you're dealing with computer emulation, 
a lot of people will still call those ROMs, but technically they're not. They're disk images because they, they work exactly like virtual diskettes. Files can be moved, saved, deleted, altered, you know, so it's not really a ROM. But anyway, the the problem that with these emulators is that it's difficult to get things from the real world into this little virtual sandbox and back. Um, I mean, you may have a real Commodore 64 diskette that you're holding in your hand, but it's difficult to get that into a computer where you can use it on an emulator, you know? Now, now there are a lot of websites out there like um, GameBase64 or, you know, I mean, all you need to do is search Google and find that the vast majority of Commodore programs, and a lot of this applies to multiple computers, but since we're talking about Commodores today, I'll, I'll mostly just, I'll be using the, the word Commodore. But if you go to these websites, you'll find that 99.9, probably uh, any game you can think of from your youth, if that was ever sold or typed in from a magazine or anything, has probably already been converted to a disk image. Now, in the early days, this wasn't the case. You know, you might not be able to find a particular game or program that you were looking for, but you know, now people have been doing this for so long that, that most things have been converted. But still, you know, if you're a person like me who still owns his original, I still own my original Commodore 64 diskettes, and so there are a lot of personal things, things that I created that are stored on those disks that you wouldn't be able to find in one of these online archives. Things like, you know, files or programs or music or whatever. So you have this problem of getting things uh, from the physical world into the virtual world of emulation and then vice versa, if there was something in an emulator that you wanted to be able to pull out and run on a real Commodore 64 uh, machine. Now, one of the reasons this is such a problem is that the Commodore 64 disk drive is so unique that IBM PC floppy drives are not able to read or write, uh, natively, are not able to read or write the Commodore uh, file format. So you can't just take a, a Commodore floppy disk and put it in your PC uh, and just magically, you know, convert that over to a, a disk image or whatever. So for years, people have been looking for uh, some sort of magic solution to be able to do this, to be able to convert um, real things to virtual images and, and back and forth. And one of the earliest ones that I heard about personally was called uh, the Cat Weasel. Now, the Cat Weasel has gone through multiple variations. I believe they're on version uh, 4 at this point. Um... And what the cat weasel is is a, a a controller that you could put in your machine. That they have versions. Uh, I know that there's like a specialty version for Amigas, and uh, but but the idea is that you would be able to put this controller in your PC or Amiga or whatever, and then it would be able to read and write multiple disk formats. But now I don't own a cat weasel. I don't know anyone personally that owns one but if you go out and search google for cat weasel and troubleshooting or cat weasel and problems uh, you'll find a lot of hits it is a uh, for a for something that was sold it appears to be really buggy um there's a lot of you know promises that have been made about drivers that haven't uh you know materialized over the years so the uh, cat weasel was it's good in theory and the way it's advertised is good, but there are a lot of people that have never got Cat Weasel to work, and a lot of you know some people have, of course, but um, it's it's certainly not the most reliable solution for doing this. What became 
the most reliable solution for a long time was called uh, the X1541 cable. Now what an X1541 cable does is it allows you to connect a Commodore 1541 floppy drive to an IBM PC. This it's a special cable and you can there are uh, pinouts available on the web. You can actually make this cable. They're not very difficult to make. Uh, but if you look at the cable it has a parallel port on one end that you would connect to a, a PC and the other end has a serial port uh, or a serial style connector that you would connect to a Commodore 64 floppy drive. And there are programs like Star Commander that will allow you to copy a real floppy disk over to a virtual disk image. Now this sounds like it would be the perfect solution but unfortunately there are so many problems with this the first problem the biggest problem is that the software like star commander really only reliably works under dos um, I there are different hacks and tweaks to try to get it to work under different versions of windows i've never personally got it to work under windows so additionally not only does it need to run under dos it also needs to run on an older machine. Newer parallel ports are not compatible with, um, and by newer, I mean ones that are on, that come with Pentium computers. The only reliable setup I've ever had that, that work consistently for X1541 cables is an old 486 uh, DX4100 that I had with this cable hookup running dual booting DOS and Windows 95 I think and then you know connected to a Commodore 1541 floppy now over the years people have seen the limitations of this X1541 cable like the limitation with um, you know specific parallel ports or whatever and so that pinout and, and design has been modified over the years the first one I remember uh, after the X1541, there was an XE1541. The E stands for extended. Now, it does work with Pentium parallel ports, but it doesn't work with the parallel ports normally found on laptops. Now, for that, um, you may need an XA1541 cable, which the A stands for active. There's also an XM1541 cable, uh, which stands for multitask. Um, that one does not work with laptops. So as you can see, the problem is uh, each one of these, the cables, they all started from the X1541. There are other cables. Originally the cables were serial, but they've been adapted to um, parallel cables, which run much faster. And now there are XH1541 and XH1571, which are hybrid cables, and XP1541 and XP1571 cables. Now, the problem with all of these cables is that none of them are necessarily compatible with one another. So now you could go out and, you know, maybe you find the program that you like to transfer disk images or do different things, and it only works with some cables, but not other cables. And maybe the cable you have works with your parallel port, or maybe it doesn't. So, you know, if you can reliably get one of these solutions to work, great. You're still talking about, I mean, in my computer room, I had a dedicated desk with a 486 sitting on it and a 1541 and this special cable and software just to transfer these disk images. So it, it wasn't necessarily um, the most eloquent solution, but it did work. You know, it was consistent once I got it working. Now, what some people figured out is that even though this, with the, the 
connectors that are on this cable, one end goes to your PC, one end goes to the disk drive. But the computer has the same type of connector that goes on the disk drive. So another program that came out was 64HDD. And it's kind of the reverse idea. You can plug the Commodore into the cable actually into your Commodore 64. And then you can plug the other end into the PC. And by doing this and running this software, it's kind of the reverse. You can actually use your PC as a hard drive for the Commodore 64. There's a complete chart available on the Star Commander website. And let me tell you, if you thought the X1541 series of cables was confusing, it's an entire matrix of what works with this, what doesn't work. I've tried multiple times, and I lose interest every time. I've never got this to actually work. Um, and I think there's some compatibility issues with different programs and things. So, again, it's the type of thing where the, it's a good idea for the software, but, um, you know, it just doesn't work reliably. Now, I know there have been other approaches, like there's the IDE64, which was a project that involved trying to hook up uh, a, an IDE, a PC IDE hard drive, directly to the Commodore and use it for storage, and it works. Um, there are compatibility issues. A lot of these things, the problem is, again, that the 1541 floppy drive is so such a complex, I mean, it's basically a computer in and of itself. It's so complex that none of these things are able to fully emulate what the Commodore 64 disk drive, the 1541, was able to do. Now, the closest we got, and this was um, oh, a few years back, was the MMC64, which was a uh, cartridge. It, it plugged into the Commodore cartridge port, and it allows, it has uh, a few different things that MMC64, one of the reasons they're so highly sought after is because they actually have an Ethernet port, which would allow you to connect your Commodore 64 to the web. Um, it also has a built-in SID player, and it does allow single file loading, you know, but still this is a device, you know, meant for loading games, not really for dumping of games, um, but with that Ethernet port, people experimented with, you know, dumping disks back and forth, and you can do that, it's not very fast, but it does work. So as an old Commodore user and a guy, um, you know, who has a lot of disks that he would really like to transfer over to, to virtual disk images, I've kind of been watching this over the years, and the first product that really caught my eye was called the 1541-3. Now, the 1541-3 was started off, well, all these things are basically hobbyist-type projects. I mean, they're, they're all sold, but basically they're sold to cover, you know, the cost of parts or people's time where they assemble them. But the 1541-3 uh, comes in a, a slick little box... It plugs up directly to the Commodore, and it looks really good on paper. Uh, I mean, like I said, when you see this thing, it looks like a little professional, you know, looking device. And on the website, they say that you can load Commodore games and do all these great things or whatever. And um, and it uses SD cards for storage, which I thought was a great idea because you know you could just plug an SD card into your PC, copy the images over then plug them into the 1541.3 and load them up on a Commodore 64. The problem with the 1541.3, first of all, it's yet another device that's a one-way street. It works for loading, uh, you know, games into the Commodore, but it doesn't work for dumping games back out of the Commodore. The other problem is, one thing that 
Um, it, it's on the webpage now, but I didn't really understand. It wasn't clear when I ordered it, when I paid my 200 plus dollars or whatever it cost, was that it only works, again, like the MMC64, it only works on single file loader games. So, you know, a lot of Commodore games would just be one file. And this would allow you to load that one file into memory and play it. But games that you would refer to as a multi-load game, games that access the disk drive multiple times while you're playing it, those games won't work. So, uh, the 50, and I have the 1541.3 sitting right here in front of me, and uh, boy, it just had a lot of potential, but, you know, that's really a deal breaker. Again, uh, what I've been waiting for all this time is uh, something that works just like a 1541 without all these other limitations and stuff. So, that's basically what brings us to the 1541 Ultimate. The 1541 Ultimate plugs into, it's a, it looks like a cartridge. Actually, the one that I ordered doesn't even come in a case. It's just a little small circuit board with some buttons on it and some lights. And it plugs into the Commodore 64 cartridge port. It has an SD slot on the side. Like I said, it has lights that actually emulate the original 1541 lights. This thing is using uh, an FGPA to emulate the original 1541 motherboard. So all of a sudden, this device actually does work like a 1541, thus the name of the 1541 Ultimate. It's actually too bad that the name 1541-3 was taken because the 1541 Ultimate really is just like a 1541. Now, it will read and write... D64 files, which D64 is the disk image of a Commodore 64 um, diskette. Now there are also G64 disk files and the 1541 will read those as well. It won't write them, but G64 um, I won't get too much into that, but basically they are they contain a lot more detail than a D64, and that would be for, like, if you had a disk image of a game that hadn't been cracked, so maybe it still had the disk protection on it or something, like information that would be stored in between tracks or strange and odd type things you could encapsulate in a G64 disk image. But basically, the standard with Commodore emulation is D64. Uh, it also, like I said, it, it stores information on SD cards, and it supports... FAT and FAT32. It also supports SD and SDHC cards, so this will work with an SD card that will hold essentially the entire Commodore 64 library, which is uh, tens of thousands of programs. So, what does the 1541 Ultimate allow you to do? It allows you to do two, for me, the big picture is it allows you to do two basic things. The first one is when connected to the Commodore 64, it allows you to read D64 disk images. So, just like what I was talking about earlier, you could go out to, you know, wherever you get your disk images on the internet. But let's say, oh, I'm just going to pick an arbitrary game. Let's say you want to play uh, California games. You download California games in a D64 disk image. You copy it over to an SD card. You put the SD card in the 1541 Ultimate. And the 1541 Ultimate has a little menu system that you can bring up with the buttons that are on the card. You select that image and hit enter, and it's just like you have put the disk into a real 1541 disk drive. Uh, you can load the directory, you can save files, copy files, whatever you want to do. 
Um, you can format the the virtual disc if you wanted, but it works just like a virtual disc, and you can load that game. And those the buttons that are on the 1541 Ultimate allows you to go back to that menu and change discs. So if like California Games is a a two uh, two disc images, so if it tells you to put in the second disc, you can freeze the computer, go back into the 1541 Ultimate menu put in the second disc, go back to your game and hit enter and it's just like you've inserted the second disc. So um, essentially it will let you use D64 disc images on a real Commodore 64, which is pretty cool. The second thing that it allows you to do is write to D64 disc images. In fact, the menu system has an option to create blank D64 disc images. So that's like formatting a blank disc. So you can daisy chain real 1541 disk drives off of the 1541 Ultimate and use them just like you would access, you know, real disks. So using FastHackem or uh, I use Maverick quite a bit, but any old uh, Commodore disk copying utility, you can copy real files over to the virtual disk files, which then could be, you know, taken and off that SD card and put back onto a real PC and used for emulation or, you know, stored online. You know, that's one of the big reasons, the pushes for all these converting of these disks is that these disks must be ending the the end of their lifetime. I mean, nobody predicted people would be using these disks for 10 years, certainly not 20 years. Some of the disks I have are pushing 25 years and, um, you know, they're just not going to last forever. So, what people like myself are trying to do is archive all of that data and get it stored. Uh, And so this is a great way to do that. I mean, you don't have to worry about compatibility issues later. I mean, because it, since it uses that D64 format, that's, that is the uh, format of choice, basically. Now, the 1541 Ultimate has some other cool features, and one of them is you can actually use cartridge images within the device itself. So, originally it came with uh, Action Replay and Final Cartridge and a few other ones and uh, I begged and begged and eventually they added support for the fast load cartridge as well. And that's great because that's the cartridge that I used as a kid. So, the way that works is um, when you, the, the BIOS that you flash on your 1541 Ultimate actually has all of those cartridges stored on it, so you can just choose whichever cartridge you want, and then when you turn it on, turn on your computer, it's like that cartridge was plugged in. And that speeds up disk loading and everything, just like the the actual cartridges used to do. Now, like any hardware, the 1541 Ultimate has grown over the last couple of years, and they have released, I think they're about to release the fourth version. I think that's right. The the first offering of the 1541 Ultimate came in two different um, versions. There was one that had a limited, didn't have any extra RAM on board, and then there was a second one that did have, I think it was 32 meg of RAM. I'm not sure if that's right, but I think it was 32 meg of RAM, but uh, it would allow you to emulate like the RAM add-ons or RAM expanders of the old Commodore and stuff like that, but it was so... Uh, much more popular than the original one without the RAM and I guess the price was so close that they discontinued the first model and so the only model that you could get was the one with the 32 mega RAM and that's the model I have 
Now, shortly after that one sold out, there's a third one which has added an Ethernet port. So, the you can emulate like the MMC64 cartridge with that Ethernet port. You can connect it to a PC or to a network. You can use um, Contiki, which is a newer operating system available for several old 8-bit computers and, and get your Commodore 64 online. Um, so there's a lot of cool things you could do with that. That model is sold out now. And there's a fourth, there's a new model which is being referred to as the 1541 Ultimate 2 because it's it's so different than the previous version of 1541 Ultimate. Um, it does come with an Ethernet port, but apparently when it ships it won't be uh, functional yet. That's something that they're going to have to fix through later firmware updates or something. Uh, they have switched from normal SD cards to mini SD, which to me, it's the reasoning behind it is that it's going to save space on the card, which I understand, but you know, mini SD is a little bit less uh, portable. You know, you can't put it directly into a PC. You have to use one of those little adapters and things. So, uh, but it's not that big of a deal. But the 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 two cool additional features I think on the 1541 Ultimate 2. The first is that it comes in a case, which the original ones did not. So it was just an exposed uh, circuit board, which I was always afraid of, you know, spilling something on or dropping something on. Um, the other cool thing that it comes with is a USB port, and that is really cool because now you're going to be able to plug a USB stick directly into the 1541 Ultimate 2. Uh, with your D64 disc images. So you probably won't be pulling that uh, mini SD card in and out. You'll probably just put your games on a, a USB stick, you know, or plug it in and out or whatever. So so that's pretty cool. The 15, the website for the 1541 Ultimate is 1541ultimate.net. And you could go there and th they have a forum. It's kind of some funky forum software. It's not as cool as the gas chamber, just saying. But it's uh, they they have a forum on there where and and you know it's a very active community of people that are supporting Gideon, the guy who who made the 1541 Ultimate. Uh, very friendly group there of people that will help you troubleshoot itch issues and you know if you find a glitch, people have found issues you know like timing issues and some different like really quirky kind of things uh, deep in the code and, and Gideon has been really quick to release updates for the 1541 Ultimate so if I were to only have one additional accessory for my C64 it would be the 1541 Ultimate now the 1541 Ultimate is not cheap I think it costs 139 I believe it's euros um, I know when you do the conversion rate, it comes out to be close to $200. So it's definitely not a cheap device. Of course, the way I justified it was back in the day when I bought my first real 1541 disk drive, it cost about $200 as well. So, you know, it, so actually, if you figure in inflation, this is cheaper than the original disk drives were. But, um, you know, it, it's really a game changer, I guess, about the way that you if you are still using a real Commodore 64 because you know all of a sudden you can put all those real diskettes away into storage you know you convert them into disk images and then you have them you can manipulate them just like real disk you can sort your files around do whatever it is that you need to do but it's very very useful it's very um 
I don't know. I just I can't see any downside to it at all. Now, if there's any downside at all, and this is for you know those of you that are pack rats like me, is that you don't get to see your discs anymore. I mean, I still have my discs sitting in a big milk crate right now underneath my desk, but um, so that that physical you know viewing of the discs or seeing the the stickers, the labels, and touching the discs, you know, you don't do that anymore. But gosh, you know all the if that's the only downside to owning this thing, I just highly recommend it. You know, if you're looking for ways to archive your old discs, or if you just, you know, you're a Commodore user, you know, there are people that will all of a sudden decide, you know, oh, you know, I, I either they used to have a Commodore, or they knew somebody with a Commodore, uh, or they're just into retro computers in general, and, and they decide they want to get into it, you know, and they all eventually run into the same problem, which is there's no you know no easy way to get software i mean you're not going to go to the store or or thrift stores even or anything like that to get commodore software you know and it's and everything is out there on the web but there's just no way to get it to a real machine so this is by far the easiest way and most reliable way i've found to do that so far so that's pretty much covers the 1541 ultimate i i highly recommend it I think it's a great product, and um, mine has just been super reliable and no problems at all. So I'd like to talk about it more, to be honest, but I just can't think of anything else to say. I think that pretty much covers it. I already have a bulleted script for episode 110, which I'm probably going to record tonight as well uh, and have that out within a couple of weeks. But um, go to... The Gas Chamber at www.robohair.com forward slash TGC. Uh, and there's a section for the podcast. Go to there. You could tell me and, and the other four members what you thought of this episode. I have a list of upcoming or potential upcoming topics for the next episodes. So you could check that out if you want to um, vote for one or, or put in a plug for one. If you want to suggest a show, you could do that there too. If you want to get a hold of me outside of the forum, you can always email me. My new email address, this is easy to remember, is podcast at robohara.com. Send me an email. I will get back with you. Um, I appreciate all the comments. I appreciate all the support that people have given me. Every time I mention the podcast, people want to know when the next episode is. So I know you guys are listening. I want to say thanks to everybody who has has given me feedback. All you guys that are listening, I just... uh, I really appreciate it. Every time that you send me a message or or comment on the show, it just makes me want to do the next one that much quicker. So, and that's not begging for <laughs> emails. That's what it sounds like. But um, it, no, I just really want to thank everybody for all the support. Um, but that's it. That's the end of episode 109. I should be going to bed now. It's late, but you know, I'm sitting here with the. 1541 Ultimate in front of me and, and the little blue screen from the Commodore is is calling me so I think I'm going to wrap up this episode and go play some Commodore games for a while so but that's it that's the end of episode 109 tune in in a couple of weeks go get that RSS feed or subscribe through iTunes so you can get the podcast sent to your phone and like I said a couple of weeks keep an eye out for episode 1010 that's it and thanks a lot for listening